Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Could Justin Jefferson and Saquon Barkley become teammates for the Minnesota Vikings in 2024? Look, it's a real possibility, right? But there's some hurdles that we have to clear. We have to understand what's going on with Justin Jefferson's contract. And we also have to understand the path the Vikings might take in free agency. One of the paths they could take to fix the running game is by targeting a running back. And I think that they should do so with Saquon Barkley. We'll take a look at all those things along with the latest update with our mock draft roundup. Here on the Real Forno Show. Welcome to Real Forno Show, hosted by Tyler Bornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire, writer for the College Football Network, publisher of Substack Run in Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, is producer Dave. And we are OD-free in the office today. The wife got home early from work. Miracles happen every once in a while. Let's enjoy it. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I do want to point out a couple things. If you... Um, minor announcement. We've already said that we're going to go live on the last two days of the draft day two and day three. You'll be able to enjoy us in all of our glory. But if you want to enjoy me in all of my glory, you can check me out because I will be live at the score North uh, NFL draft party, which just got announced today. It will be at the Fillmore in downtown Minneapolis. And if you can't make it out, Dave is going to be jumping all around doing all kinds of spots with other shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that we will find a way to communicate those with you. You're going to get plenty of us on NFL draft weekend. And you know what? There's a decent chance that we'll go live. The second I get home too. that part is unconfirmed, but we will have a lot of content for you. And well, we're going to have a lot of really late stuff. the evening and how, how much you've been in bibing of adult beverages. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, you know what? We can go to a certain level of buzz I can go at hammered, but you have to produce. So there's a level that you can't go at. So uh, we'll have that. Um, also, don't forget, we're, and we're going to pump this because um, I my wife is going to be enjoying Mexico. So I get to be a sicko for the NFL Combine, also known as the Underwear Olympics. Dave and I will be going live after every single set of practices to talk about it, talk about the ramifications. And there's a chance we could still go live to have a discussion about 
some piece of breaking news, some rumor that is floating around because that's where they start. They start at the combine. We're going to have a lot of great stuff. Plus, we are at 2,493 subscribers here at the very beginning of this live taping. We would love to get to 2,500 by the end of the night. And our goal by draft night, night one, 3,500. And we started this channel on March 13th of last year. And we are incredibly proud of our growth and incredibly proud of just honestly, the thing I'm most proud of Dave is the camaraderie that you see mm-hmm. in this chat. People saying hi to each other. It's, it's almost like you go to go to homeroom in, in like middle school and you say hi to your friends. Like it's, it's, it's got that cool kind of vibe and it's awesome that we, we were able to, be the facilitators. We didn't create it. They created it, but we got to give them the spot. And I think that's really cool. And help us get to 3,500. That's the goal. And then by next year, we may set a really lofty goal because of where we're, how much we grew year one. Maybe next year's draft will be 10,000. Who knows? But we are here. We are going to give you the best Vikings content we can. And please, if you can, like, comment, subscribe, do all the fun things. And we're going to give you all the absolutely gross sicko content that you crave football only football only maybe some food talk i know gary's gonna probably ask me what i had for dinner last week at some point here in the chat but we are a minnesota vikings show and we are gonna give you all the great vikings content first let's talk about justin jefferson's contract if you want a really in-depth conversation of it please check out the first part of uh, two all bloggers which a reminder is now Sundays at four o'clock until further notice. Not further notice. Well, it's actually quite simple. The beginning of the 2024 NFL season. So you'll get all off season Sunday. And if I, if I remember you telling me yesterday, Dave, two old bloggers set a record for live people watching. Correct. Well, I don't know if it was. No, I don't think it was a record for live people watching. It's close. We were running in the eighties most of the time, but for how many stayed as long as they stayed? Because we ran almost two hours. Having Drew on, Drew Bunting of Vikings uh, report with Drew and Ted was fantastic going over his quarterback big board. That was fantastic. Lasted almost an hour. And then we went into the second topics, which included this man right there, Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And that that got really, really cool. So it's it rocks. Yeah, um, <laughs> Jose says, "Will you cut your hair at five thousand k? If you could guarantee it, Jose, that's a possibility. We might talk him into it. So, I'd be willing to do something like that, but only if I can donate it. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it if I can't donate it because to me, it's it's not worth it. Uh, I've wanted long hair my entire life, and I finally have it. I'm. It's going to be hard <laughs> to give it, but you know what? I will at least get a haircut if we can get if we can get to thirty five hundred um, by draft day. I will get a haircut, and by haircut, I will donate my hair the second mm-hmm. it's able to. So it, you may have to wait a couple months, but I want to make sure that we get to that we get a we get to donate it so we can help somebody else out. So that I'll put the caveat on there. We get to thirty five hundred by day one of the draft, and by day one, I mean. The second the draft starts, when they put the bears on the clock, it's over. We got to hit 3,500 by then. I will donate my hair. 
Hey, Sound and fair? that's not a bad thing. My daughters do it because their grandfather mm-hmm. died of cancer. And one of the ways they contribute is they grow it out. And once a year, they get it cut off, usually about 12 inches or so. And yeah. they donate it to to make wigs for cancer patients. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I plan on doing. Um, and then I'll just grow it back out again because I love long hair. It kicks ass. But let's have a conversation about Justin Jefferson. Okay, so... First off, well, if you want the longer form, go listen to yesterday's two old bloggers. Let's let's catch you up. So they almost came to an agreement the day before the season started. It was about 60% no, 40% yes from a lot of people that were reporting on the issue. Didn't happen. That kind of thing happens with these contract negotiations. There's a lot of language and a lot of little nuanced details and something that you also have to consider offset language. So if Jefferson gets cut, then if let's say he resigns with another team. Okay. Russell Wilson has this in his contract. He's going to get $37 million next year, no matter what. But if he signs for the Vikings for 5 million, the Broncos only owe 32 million. So that's the offset language. So it could be something like that where Jefferson's like, well, if you cut me, then I want to be able to collect from you. And then somebody else, you know, the double dip. That that could be an well, issue. It's it, it's guaranteed amount is what it ends up being. Well, no, um, because if you don't have that offset language written in your contract, you can collect all that money from the Vikings and then collect your full salary oh, from another yes. team. Yes, yes. So I would, underheard you. Yes. So there are a lot of different things that could be going on with this contract. We don't know one hundred percent for sure. Okay, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of discussions that have to be had. And they've been going at it for a while. They're trying to get this done. It's not a, a sense of, oh, the Vikings want to get it done. Jefferson's like, nah. He, he's said he wants to be here. And I think his actions are also that he wants to be here. He just wants to understand some things, and he has every right to do so. And I think it's smart business for him to be asking those questions and making sure that both he's taken care of and the team is taken care of, Okay. So here, go ahead, Dave. But that's that's just on normal guarantees. I'm not talking guarantees. I'm just talking generalities. He's asking the questions that he needs answers to before he signs. Like the well, guarantees. That would be we'll get to the guarantees. It. Yeah, we'll get to the guarantees. So it was reported by Mike Florio last week. I believe this report came from his appearance on. Paul Allen's radio show, I believe it was Tuesday or Wednesday, stating that the Vikings were not going to go um, anywhere past year one with guarantees. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean vested guarantees. That doesn't mean full guarantees. That was that was just a report from Florio. They were not going to go past year one w- w- in terms of guarantees. That's not how I understood it. Okay. They weren't going to fully guarantee the salary beyond year one. There will be guarantees after year one, but not fully guaranteed like a Kirk Cousins contract was when he signed, originally signed with the Vikings and then signed his extension, that those that money was fully guaranteed. And then later happened with uh, Brown's quarterback. Deshaun where, Watson. Deshaun Watson, where that if anything happens, he's getting his full dollar amount no matter what. If he gets injured, there's no deduction for an injury, whether it's on the field or off the field, 
all that money, that total, and I give the example, if he goes 35 million, five years, it's 185 million, all, every single one of those dollars would come to him. Mm -hmm. And the Vikings, as I understand it, do not, absolutely do not want to do that again. They did it with Kirk Cousins, and I think they, it's, I think the Wolf brothers think it's a mistake. And as I talked about yesterday, if you do that, all of that guarantees, that guaranteed salary has to go into escrow. If if it's a full guarantee, yes. If it's a full guarantee. So if it's five years, um, at 35 years, 185 million, they've got to come up with 180, uh, 185 million to put in the bank, along mm-hmm. with whatever other contracts the Vikings do and the guarantees that are attached to those. So I mm-hmm. easily said it could go 200 to a quarter of a, a billion dollars that they have to put in the bank when the contracts are signed. Yeah. Hey, these guys may be wealthy, and they are. Hey, we're, we're talking crying billionaires paying millionaires, but that's still a lot of money to try mm-hmm. to liquidate to put into a bank. And they, they may not, they, they may not have the means at that high of a number, or they may not yep. want to. And I guarantee you when you get the greater owners of all of the NFL, not every owner is as flush and has income outside of their team, like the Wilfs do. The Wilfs have their real real estate development business, whereas other mm-hmm. team owners have just the team. They're making their living from the team. The Wilfs have money coming in from the outside. Jerry Jones, there's another prime example. He's got so much money coming in on deals with Pepsi and everything else. He doesn't need, actually, the money from the team itself He's got other monies to pull from. Not every owner does. And I could see where NFL owners are silently colluding, uh, you know, saying, hey, no, we're not going to do this again. We made a mistake twice. Deshaun Watson and before him, Kirk Cousins, and we're not going to do it again. Well, I'll I'll say this. The difference between the Kirk Cousins contract and Deshaun Watson contract, I think, is significant. But I understand where you're going with this. So now that Dave kind of laid it out uh, a little bit nicer, let's let's talk about the escrow thing. So the whole idea with escrow is to make sure that the player gets paid what they're promised. Because early in the days of the NFL, there were real concerns that players weren't going to get paid what they were promised. I, I can't say for sure that players got stiffed by owners. But in the days before TV deals and ad revenue... This was a live event business and you had to drop people and put butts in seats. So it wouldn't shock me if there were some issues and that's why the escrow policies went in place. Is it outdated? Yeah, it probably is, but it's still not a bad policy to have. And the thing with rich people, like if you were to talk to my wife and I, you know, we've got like a really nice Silverado. We've got a really nice house. Let's say our net worth is about I don't know, like $500,000 flat rate. I can tell you this. We don't have $500,000, but if we sold all our stuff, yeah, that sounds about right. We could probably get 500 pretty easy. And that's a difference with ownership. Liquid money 
money cash on hand is different than net worth. So that's why you you see teams like the Raiders having difficulties with cash flow problems because cash flow and how much cash you have on hand is different than net worth. Now if they if Mark Davis sold the Raiders, he'd be rich and he could afford everything that he needed to with the Raiders. But you can't do that if you don't own the team. So there are those differences. And let's talk about those guarantees because I think this is the interesting conversation. So full guarantees, you get it absolutely no matter what. And then there's in guaranteed for injury only. So if you suffer an Alex Smith injury and you are never playing football again, you get that money. Or there's rolling invested guarantees. And this is where they did they they made it work with the TJ Hawkinson contract. Okay. So the TJ Hawkinson contract on March 18th this year, which is the fifth day of the league year, all of his 2025 money fully vests. So $10.9 million in base salary becomes fully guaranteed. And so does his 500,000 per game roster bonus. He's got to play those games, but that becomes guaranteed once he plays. And like that's how you make that work. Um, March 17th of 2026, in that season, he gets $2.308 million fully guaranteed. So essentially, he just gets, he gets guaranteed that much no matter what if he's on the roster on those days. So those vested guarantees, especially this one, like you can frame it however you want and general managers and stuff and agents will posture with how they discuss these contracts, how the numbers end up coming out. All right. So if it's a vested guarantee, that's going to vest in the first year of the contract. That's essentially fully guaranteed outside of like TJ Hawkinson goes to jail for 20 years and is arrested and indicted on some crazy charge. Like he's going to get that money. But it's framed in such a way for the team so they can go to the bargaining uh, the bargaining table with other players and have a stronger position. And it's good for the players because, you know what, it may not say fully guaranteed, but they know as long as they don't do something stupid, it's fully guaranteed. So those things matter. Now, when it comes to wide receiver contracts, I did some research today. I looked at contracts from seven players. One of them was on a three-year contract, but it was back-to-back three-year extensions. The other ones were on four or five-year deals. And I, I took a Okay, what's the historical precedent for a long-term wide receiver extension and money guaranteed salary money in year two? Because I think that's important. Tyreek Hill, guaranteed salary for two years. Vet minimum in year one, $19.665 million in year two. So essentially about 21 million in guarantees in base salary. This is not including signing bonus because that's not what this conversation is about with the full guarantees with uh, what they are guaranteeing in year one or, or not. Devonte Adams guaranteed salary in years one through three, 3.5 million, 6.03 million, 16.89 million. Cooper cup is the weird one. And I concluded him, even though he wasn't on a four or five year extension, because he signed two three-year extensions. He only had guaranteed base salary in year one of the of his new extension. That was $20 million. But because it was like two three-year extensions, I wanted to include it because this might be the path that Jefferson takes. The three-year deal. 
So then he can cash in again. Cooper Cup, three years, 48. And cash in again, three years, 80. Not a bad gig if you can get it. Talk about AJ Brown. He has salary guarantees in year one and year two of his deal. 11.25 million in year one, 1.125 million in year two. Stefan Diggs is the weird one. So the Vikings obviously traded Diggs and the Bills inherited that contract. They, the extension kicks in this season. But so technically on the extension, there is no guaranteed base salary. But he signed it in April of 2022. And in that deal, they did guarantee salary in years one and two of, or like the two years before the extension kicked in. So we got 2.575 million and 1.165 million in fully guarantees from base salary. But that wasn't technically a part of the extension. So that needs to be played with a little bit. Amari Cooper, he got two years, but he signed a very weird deal with the Cowboys. Five years, 100 million, only a $10 million signing bonus. He got 10 million guaranteed year one, 20 million in year two. And they did that because they wanted to be able to get out of the contract after year two if they needed to. So, and they ended up doing so. They traded him to the Browns, but it's something to, that's noteworthy. And then Christian Kirk. Kirk is not on the level of these guys, but he was a big free agent contract, four years, $72 million max value. He got two seasons, 1.5 million and 1.08 million in fully guaranteed base salary. It doesn't necessarily say much that none of these guys really got a lot of base salary. The biggest thing that Quasi Dofa Mets is going to go for is maximum flexibility. If you have all these massive guarantees, it's hard to stay flexible. So here's my take on this. They're trying to work to make money fully guaranteed for Justin Jefferson to keep him happy and give him what he deserves while also trying to be creative with it and try to maneuver so they can keep that flexibility as flush as possible. I don't know how they're going to be able to do that. I would guess, hey, we're just going to vest it at this point. So like on our books on how we kind of construct things, look, instead of doing it the fifth day of the league year, we'll vest that in February. So then you can feel more confident that, hey, we're just going to vest it and you are not going to feel like you're going to be replaced, which is a thing. When these contracts, they have these guarantee triggers into the league year, that that can get guys cut because it's not fully guaranteed. So these are probably the conversations they have. Plus, it could be that they're still negotiating term in all this. The majority of these receivers are signing three-year extensions on a second contract. Of these guys, Diggs, Adams, and Hill all signed third contracts. So they already had one bite at the apple. Now they're getting a second. That matters in these conversations. Adams, 30. Tyreek Hill, 30. Diggs, I believe he's about to turn 30 if he's not already. That matters. And if you've already had one big bite at the apple, hey, let's put as many years as we can on it because I want to get paid for as long as possible. And that's why you sign a longer-term deal later on. I was about to say, you had brought that up before. Vikings Mm -hmm. may want five years, whereas J.J. may want three. And if J.J. gets three years, he is 
right now, I believe JJ is 24 years old. He'll be 25 for the season. He'll be, yeah, he'll be 25 for the season and 26 when he begins his extension or new contract elsewhere. Mm -hmm. We have to say that because nothing's guaranteed. Not saying that he should or shouldn't go. He shouldn't go, but that's just kind of the reality. So, if he's and 26 the longer in the, the years of the contract, the more flexibility the team has. I'm getting there, Dave. I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. So at 26 years old, two years into that deal, at 28 years old, he will start negotiating his third contract. Doing so at 28 is a big deal. Why? He's not 30. It, it's a big deal in terms of the talent cliff, and it's a big deal in terms of how personnel will see you projecting forward. Because once you're 30, oh, his peak of his career is done. We're going to have to start worrying about replacing him now. Well, when you're 28, oh, this guy's still a cornerstone of our team. So now he can sign that five-year extension. And when that extension is done, he's 34. And he still might be able to get another bite at the apple. When you have conversations in war rooms, this is where age can matter. If you draft a 20-year-old kid, you're going to potentially be able to give them a third or fourth contract. It with Jaron Hall, that was always a, a concern with his age because that second contract, yeah, he's going to get it at 28 or 29, where Justin Jefferson's going to get it at 25. That's a big disparity when that second contract hits. So you want to be able to maximize your value. And look, we would love for these guys to all take little money for the team. Hell no. These guys go get paid. Go get paid. Are, are you going to go walk into a job interview that's advertising for $100,000 a year and take 70 because um, some person in accounting it needs a, a little bit more? No. You'd be like, no, I'm worth 100 grand. It's, it says 100 grand. I want 100 grand. Like these guys have such a narrow window and the complications that they can deal with for years and years and years could be life altering. Get as much as you possibly can. I will never fault you for it. And Jefferson's doing that. We'll see what ends up happening. There's talk of, hey, I just want to know who the quarterback is. Jefferson said that on Radio Row. He also said that it really doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. I'm going to put up numbers no matter what. And he was right because you know what? He did it. He played essentially nine games and he put up over a thousand yards receiving. He's one of three players to ever four different quarterbacks. He was one of four receivers to ever throw a, a thousand yards or get a thousand yards receiving playing 10 or less games. One of three players ever pretty, pretty impressive, right? Very, very impressive. So we'll see what happens with this Justin Jefferson contract. I'm not necessarily sold that it's going to be an issue. I think if they move on from Kirk, it's going to be like, look, Justin, we wanted to bring Kirk back. Everything we said was true, but we also had the caveat it takes two to tango and we have to find a contract that works for both sides. And if it, uh, if it doesn't work for both sides, we can't sign it. And I think Jefferson, uh, everything about him screams smart guy, smart when it comes to the business side of things. And he just understands it. If Jeff, if cousins doesn't come back, it's not because they don't want him. It's because they can't bring him back. So he just wants to know what's the plan. Are you going to bring in a young quarterback? And you know what? After the scouting combine, the Vikings may trade up to three. Let's use that hypothetical. The Niners have done it. The Jets have done it. The Jets did it to go get Sam Darnold. Niners did it to go get Trey Lance. 
And if you take out the result of what the quarterback was, if you believe in three or four quarterbacks, you can trade up to three. Know why? Because you're going to get a guy that you like a lot and think that can be a franchise quarterback for you. But you have to be sure. And the scouting combine is going to be huge because there's going to be a lot of discussions about those things. A lot, a lot, a lot. And you're going to like cousins agents going to have discussions with other teams because he's going to go to a jam and be like, Hey, let's talk about this client. And then he'd be like, Hey, uh, sidebar. What do you think about Kirk cousins and understand the value? Cause you know what? One team may value him at 45. One team may value him at 36. You just don't know. And that's where a lot of these conversations are had. You start off having the good conversations that you're supposed to have and that you can have. And then you get some extra details, which is how tampering. Happens. How many apples versus peaches does he want on? If he was buying a truckload of peaches, mm-hmm. they have those conversations. Yep, absolutely. So we're going to know more about this Jefferson contract as we kind of continue to grow and develop and try to understand some of these nuances. But that's kind of the basics. It sounds like it's all semantics with Jefferson and the Vikings. And if it's just semantics, I feel pretty comfortable with that. I feel comfortable with the fact that they're just trying to hammer it out. It doesn't sound like Jefferson wants to leave because the these leaks are not coming from the Vikings. They're coming from the Jefferson camp. And because they're coming from the Jefferson camp, you got to understand how they're coming out. They're not coming out as demands. They're not coming out as uh, like, hey, I want to get out of here. I think this place sucks. I want to be traded. They're coming out as almost like a pressure. Like it's a PR move. Hey, the Vikings aren't willing to do this. So you know what? Maybe they will be willing to do so with public pressure. That's that's the idea. Will it work? Ah, who knows? Uh, it like these negotiations are tough. They're very tough. But that's how it works. And mm-hmm. that is enough on the Jefferson contract. Before we go on to our next topic, where I am going to absolutely obliterate minds talking okay. about signing a running back. Let's have a conversation about our wonderful sponsors, our friends at. Un- I want to answer one question real quick. Okay. Dalton puts up there, they should not trade up and wreck their future. Dalton, how many times has the Vikings traded up for a quarterback in the history of the Vikings? And how many of those years have been successful? Yeah. You don't know if you don't try. Vikings have never tried. The only time they traded up in my lifetime that I can remember was to get Teddy at the end of the first round. Yep. That was it. They've never had a top 10 quarterback. Nothing. Never. 61 years, or 60, it was more than 61. 62 years going on 63. Never. Never. It's always the first time. The other way hasn't worked. I don't I don't see how it's going to wreck the team. But anyways, now back to the fun stuff. Talking about puppy dogs. Yes, our friends at Underdog Rescue Minnesota. We are potentially going to be fostering a cute little Frenchie here in a few weeks, and we're really excited about it. And they do a great job of saving animals. If you want to help save animals from overcrowded shelters down south where they will bring dogs up here to give them a better chance. If you want to save dogs from breeders who treat these 
dogs inhumanely and unfairly. You want to save them from, hey, private surrenders. That happens too. Whether it be because their owner died, whether it be because they, they can't physically take care of them anymore, you'll be able to help. And underdogrescuemn.com, if you want to foster, if you want to adopt, they have tons of different breeds. And the, the dogs that you can adopt from changes regularly. If you want a Frenchie, we love our Frenchies. Uh, they get a lot of Frenchies and they are just the, they have the most wonderful, wonderful personalities. I recommend you adopt underdogrescuemn.com. Go help them out. We do and we love them. We got 110 people in here right now. Thank you, everybody, for joining us live here on a Monday night. Let's talk about Saquon Barkley. I'm going to yell at you guys, and I'm going to tell you why the Vikings should sign a running back and give him 11 to $13 million a year. I'm not going to yell at you because I don't like you. I'm just going to be very passionate. Vikings should do everything they can to sign Saquon Barkley, and let me tell you why. The running game is an adjunct disaster right now, and they are... Bottom of the league in EPA. They're a little bit higher in success rate. I believe the number that they finished at was 16th or 18th, uh, somewhere in there. They were top five in success rate early on, but that cratered fast. I believe they're 25th in EPA per play in the run game. Biggest issue Alexander Madison has no juice, and Ty Chandler can't pass block consistently. Because he can't pass block consistently, he gets on the field less because you can't trust him in those areas. And if you can't trust him, the pass block, and it's one of the d- biggest disconnects with people who love fantasy football and rank players. Oh, this guy's electric with the ball in his hands. He's going to be a great third down back. If you can't block. You're not getting on the field because you can't put a guy in the field consistently that you're only going to do so when you're going to put him out on routes. They have to be able to pass block to some capacity. The tough part with Chandler is he's a good pass blocker. He just has these catastrophic moments where he just completely forgets what he's doing and the technique that he has to use. And a catastrophic moment isn't necessarily, oh, it's a strip sack and a scoop and score. A catastrophic moment can be it's third and five. A guy's wide open. The quarterback's about to hit him. And then they get smashed for a sack. That can be catastrophic to a drive, to momentum, to a win. And that's why you have to, uh, as a coach, you have to put guys in places to succeed. And if, Chandler's not going to be able to be consistent enough, then that's a problem. That's a big problem. And I want to bring in a back to fix this problem. And the tough part about free agency is you're going to overpay for guys. It's just the nature of the business. The genesis of free agency was fair labor practices. Now in how it's utilized by teams, it's utilized to fill holes. You sign a guy to fill a hole. Vikings have a glaring hole at running back right now. We can talk about the offensive line. They need to find the left guard, but you know what? It was pretty good last year. And part of the reason why it struggled as much as it did, is because of the running backs. Yeah, they could be better run blockers. Sure. But at a certain level, if you're average, average is fine, especially when you have all these weapons and adding Saquon Barkley is going to give you that as well. Now with a quarterback change, that's also going to change how the offensive line plays. And it could be for better. It could be for worse because a mobile quarterback is going to be able to make an offensive line look really good. And if you slide right into where the offensive line is blocking, it can look bad. But it makes things easier because pass rushers won't be as aggressive if they know you can bail the pocket and get rushing yards. 
one of the easiest things that the 49ers did in the Super Bowl, they played contain. They controlled Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. Mahomes still made great decisions, but he wasn't able to do the Mahomes things that make him so special. He had to win playing boring. And that can really make a difference. And it can make a difference in everything, which is why we come back to Barkley. If you are going to draft a quarterback to be the future of this team, you have to give him every tool possible to succeed. You have bookend tackles. You have the best receiver in football and an emerging star in Jordan Addison. You have a top five tight end in TJ Hawkinson when he comes back healthy. You have a creative play caller in Kevin O'Connell who is still growing in the position, but I think did a pretty good job last year. And then you give them a pro bowl running back who can do everything in Saquon Barkley. Now, when you look at some of the underlying metrics, look, I'm going to be honest, they weren't phenomenal, but you have to understand the context of why the metrics weren't phenomenal. The giants sucked. That offense was anemic. It was brutal. Tommy DeVito who was really poor in college as a quarterback was starting multiple games for him. They had no good receivers. Their best weapon on the outside was a tight end who can't stay healthy. So you're relying on Saquon to do a lot and the defense could key in on that. Plus the offensive line was an adjunct disaster because of injuries. Andrew Thomas barely played last year. Evan Neal top seven pick has not figured it out yet. So you're looking at a lot of different factors here, but let's go through some of the underlying metrics. He was 29th in PFF rushing grade at 70.6 above average. But if he gets blown up the second he gets hit, they're going to mark that as an average play. So he's getting blown up a lot. He had over 900 yards, but he was 14th in yards after contact. 75% of his attempts, uh, 75% of his yards, excuse me, were after contact, 719 of them. Tied for 15th in yards after contact per attempt at uh, 0.291. 27th in missed tackles forced in 31. Tied 11th in 10-yard runs to 26. And then in the passing game, 22, sorry, 22nd in yards per route run in 0.92. Barkley is really, really good. And if you give him a good situation where he can just be himself and not have to like put a team literally on his back and carry them like Adrian Peterson did, for a few years for the Vikings, you could really make an impact. Um, Brian, I do believe McCaffrey is older than Barkley by two years. So I think if you bring in Saquon Barkley, you try and bring him into a, on a three-year deal between 33 and 40 million. And you try and make it work, but you give yourself an out and you give yourself an out after year one and year two to make it as easy as possible to move on because you know what? Barkley has had some injury history. There is risk here, but he did play every single game last year. And some of his injuries have been very minor. He did have a torn ACL. He's a couple years removed from it. Now Barkley could be a game changer for the Vikings. And especially with how we don't want that. Uh, we don't really know what the Vikings are going to want to do in running the football. Are they going to run a lot of gap stuff? Or are they going to run, run a lot of zone stuff? He can run both of them. And I think Barkley would be a fantastic addition to this team. Not only that, he's, as I said earlier, scheme diverse. So no matter who you bring in a quarterback, you can run stuff in read options. You could run stuff wide zone. 
You could run stuff with like man gap power, whatever it is. He, he can do it and he can do it at a high level because he's a freaky athlete. And I think that is the kind of guy you need to fix the running game. And sometimes you have to overpay to fix a problem. Saquon Barkley should be a Minnesota Viking in mid-March. Dave, your thoughts? PFF has an estimated value of $12.5 million per year. AVV. Brad's really good at, at nailing those down, too. He so is. I would I would take that, not as gospel, but pretty but dang close. close. Yeah, it's in the ballpark. The What I like about him is that he is scheme diverse. He can run in a gap scheme, and he can run in a zone scheme. And since we tend to split between gap and zone now, it's it would be a that would be a good fit. What I don't know is what does KOC want in their running back? Really, why? How does he want the running back to fit? Now, Barkley looks to be the best of everything. The Swiss Army knife can do most everything. I agree with you. I think it'd be an awesome fit. He's only twenty-seven. The the age cliff starts at 28, but 28 to 30. And if you had him within that, I wouldn't go any further than that. I, you'd be fine. And with the outs, like you said, I think that would be a good deal. But does he fix the running game? Is just having a good back the answer to fix the running game? Or is it more we need a little bit more work on that offensive line to go along with that good back? Does he solve good the question. problem? I think he can solve the problem. I'm not guaranteeing that he solves the problem. I think with his skill set, he can really minimize some of the issues that you have on the interior as far as the running game. Plus, I think something that isn't talked about enough with Kevin O'Connell bailing on the running game, it has to do with him not trusting the backs more than anything. If you don't trust the guys running the football, it doesn't matter how it's blocked doesn't matter anything else. If you don't trust them, you're not going to run the ball. So and if, if, if you they're give dropping it, footballs like they did at the beginning of the season, it makes it hard on a coach. Give them, give O'Connell somebody he can trust to run the football. And I think that's Barkley. I think, it, it, look, you don't want to pay running backs big money. Sometimes you have to. And you can do that on a rookie contract. And that's what the Vikings are going to have with their quarterback. Quarterbacks are going to be on a rookie deal. So you can afford to pay uh, big money for somebody else. The Bengals paid huge money to DJ Reader, a nose tackle. Now, nose tackles are different, but they paid like 13, 14 million a year for a Reader, and he was great. He was awesome. But you, those are the kind of luxuries you can't afford when you aren't paying a quarterback a rookie deal. Joe Mixon got a big deal too. Rookie quarterback. All that matters. It all tracks. It all adds up. So that's 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 my pitch. Give Barkley all the money. Speaking of money. <laughs> all the money. Speaking of money, we have to talk about this Marcus Davenport thing. I put out a couple shorts over the weekend. One today, one earlier this weekend, talking about his contract. Mm-hmm. So here's how the contract works, okay? He has four, year, four dead years or sorry, four void years on his contract. Each of them is 1.7 million in dead money. Today, the contract was set to void, meaning all that 6.8 million was going to hit the salary cap no matter what, and you can't move it. 
by moving that date back to the March 12th or 13th, one of those two, the, what the Vikings now have is flexibility. And Quasi Rolfo Mensa loves flexibility. Look, this doesn't mean that they want to bring him back at a big number. This doesn't mean they even want to bring him back, but they're leaving the door open and it's smart. Let me explain why. If they were going to uh, eat the $6.8 million, they could sign him to a one-year $5 million contract and save $100,000 on the salary cap. That's pretty crazy because $5.1 million would go forward into those uh, void years that are already there. It wouldn't accelerate to this year. So the Vikings need edge rushers. And when Marcus Davenport played, he played really well. So there is hope that he can be good on the field. Everybody can be frustrated all they want that he didn't play, that he didn't really earn the money he was given. Those are fair. But when he was on the field, he played really well. And that is going to be something the Vikings need at the edge position because they need to figure out how they're going to not just get talent, but how they're going to be able to utilize multiple like quality players. Because right now, their only edge rushers are Pat Jones, the second, and Andre Carter, the second. So they're going to need guys. And Davenport, very talented, hyper-athletic, big football player. If he can stay healthy, it is next level. Like you, you can do a lot with this football player, but that's the big question, and that's why people are really not happy about it. Now, there's another question you're neglecting. Yes, he's been injury prone, and he takes a long time to come back from injuries. While he's on the field, he's fantastic. Absolutely. I'd love to be on the field. It was reported that he was perfectly healthy, but did not want to rejoin the team and does not play until he feels himself to be 100%. Whereas other players will play through injuries, especially at the end when we're driving to make the playoffs. Does that does that attitude, and there have been players in the NFL that are 100% in agreement with that. They're not going to step a foot inside those white lines until they feel they're 100%. Right, They're not going to play with any dings. They're not going to play with a boo-boo. If they have to put on a Band-Aid, they want to be called out. How does that reside within the locker room when other players are like, ah, screw that. I got a busted nose. I got blood coming down. You know, I got blood on my uniform. I'm a tough man. All this sort of thing. All those guys that are playing through stuff how does that one that sits over there and goes, no, I gotta, I gotta be perfect. I gotta polish my nails. I can't have a broken nail and play. You know, that sort of attitude sometimes will eat at the rest of the team. And I don't know if that alone, because hey, he might be perfect, feel great, and play four games and then get a boo-boo. That the other players are busting their butts and they see that and that that causes heartburn in the locker room. And I don't know if that actually happened. We weren't there. We weren't in the locker room and how the other teammates, especially on the defensive side, feel about that. If I wish I did wish I could talk to him off the record, even, you know, talk to all the guys on that front line and go, hey, what did you think? And if they all like, no, he was hurt. 
he's good to go. He wants to play. Well, we'd love to have him. Then cool, sign him. But if it exists out there that he's one of those types that it's got to be absolutely, everything's got to be perfect, I don't know if it's going to fly. And I think Quasi and KOC part needs to weigh that. Because if you're bringing in somebody that's a possible team cancer, right, that that goes against what you're trying to do as a team, you don't want him. So but on the field, if he's healthy and he's playing, I want him. He's good. So I'll say this. To my knowledge, that was only speculated. It was never officially reported. Yeah, I, it, I'm was, not it was. It was. No, no. I, I'm just saying within the context of this discussion, I think that's important to note. I it was a speculation, not a confirmed report. I haven't seen anything written about the Davenport thing. And two, I I will say it is a hundred percent different coming back from surgery, which is what happened with Davenport, right. than it is. Oh, I'm playing with a bruised rib. With surgery, it's different. It's it's. It's different. So I'm not going to necessarily defend him. I just think those are two important pieces of information when having these conversations because we just, we don't know when we weren't there. But if, if he was 100% healed from surgery and he didn't want to, that that's a whole different ballgame. But we'll find out. Uh, we we just don't know. He had two high ankle sprains. One of them he had surgery on. Um, I don't, if it was the tightrope, I assume he was able to come back, but I we don't know. There's too many data points we don't have. Lastly, the team would know the most, so they're mm -hmm. in the best position to make this decision. Yeah. Lastly, let's talk about mock draft roundup real quick before we get out of here. And tomorrow, we are going to have a great skull search for you. A skull search that you have been waiting for. That skull search, Caleb Williams. Yes, Caleb Williams tomorrow night on school search. We're going to have some fun. But so far, as Dave has the graphic up there, Jared Verse 27 times, Dallas Turner 23, Layatu Latu 21. Edge rushers are dominating at the top. 71 of the 150, just from the top three. That doesn't include Chop Robinson. That doesn't include Jerzon Newton. That doesn't include Byron Murphy II, who are also pass rushers. Quarterbacks are still high too, but they're more spread out. Michael Penix Jr. and J.J. McCarthy at 13. Bo Nix at 4. Jaden Daniels at 8. Drake May at 2. Caleb Williams at 1. So it feels like this. It feels like it, if you think Kirk Cousins is coming back, you're going edge. Or corner. Cooper DeGene, Terry and Arnold, Nate Wiggins, they're getting some people too. Also, quarterback is still the popular pick. You can theoretically sign Kirk Cousins and get the quarterback. You don't have to, but you can. And I think that might be the subject of my next Vikings mock draft. So it's it's just interesting to kind of track how all this is going. 19 different players so far have been sent to the Minnesota Vikings across 175 mocks. And we're going to find out how much of this ends up tracking Last year, the second ranked player was Jordan Addison. Addison was taken, I believe, 56 times, and he was the Vikings pick. So we're gonna, I'm going to see. I think we're going to end up with more mock drafts than we did last year, which is like 545. 
Right now we're at 175 and we're only seven weeks in. And I'm well, and you manually gotta, counting right now. There will be 10 more mock, uh, mock draft roundups coming out. And so, you got to think, some of this is influenced by the momentum of the week, right? The flavor of the week that comes out. You know, mm-hmm. early it was, let's take, you know, all the quarterbacks to be gone, let's take an edge. And then it was, yep. oh, maybe these quarterbacks, hey, let's look at these. And Penix went up there. And, and now it's J.J. McCarthy screams up there. It's, yep. it, it ebbs and flows all the way up until the draft. And we'll get it more does. ebbing and flowing, especially coming out of the combine. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be really interesting uh, looking back at this chart and seeing how things changed and how they stayed the same because that matters too. And we'll, we'll kind of see and keep track of it over the course of the next few weeks, because it's interesting to kind of see what this data ends up looking like, but that is it for our show tonight, guys. A nice, if we trade up into like the number three position and we do it like the beginning of the league year, right close to that, Mm -hmm. which could happen. Suddenly everything changes. Yep. On the mock. Everything will. There you go. See quarterback, 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 quarterback. Yep. And that'll be fascinating too. But that's our show. I'm going to answer two questions really quick. Would I bring back Marcus Davenport? I absolutely would on, on the right money deal. And that would be 5 million or less. And then who would, who would I take at 11? If the Vikings stayed at yes. 11. I would Both take of one of the four quarterbacks if they were there. And if they weren't, I'd take Chop Robinson, edge rusher Penn State. You see him in a lot of mocks. He's going second round. I think it's a bunch of crap. I have him as a top five player in this class right now. And I think he's going to stay a top five player. We'll see once I get to the lineman. Don't forget tomorrow, tomorrow, we're going to have Caleb Williams' skull search. And the skull search episodes have been incredibly fun over the course of this season. And we are now just two subscribers away from 2,500. So if you haven't liked, subscribe, ring the bell. We never tell you what time of skull search is coming because we don't know until we schedule the video because we want to make sure that we can deliver it. You'll always see us Monday and Wednesday night at 6.05, just like you'll see two old bloggers off season every Sunday at 4.05. That is central time, Mm -hmm. central time because we are central time because we're a Minnesota Vikings podcast. Will Odie come back tomorrow? Guys, Odie's just hanging out with my wife downstairs. Everything's good. He's okay. (laughs) He just, he just uh, doesn't, love being in here so we'll have that and then we're planning on drake may's school search on thursday you will not want to miss either of those shows you will also not want to miss wednesday's show and we are going to have a lot of great stuff for you leading up to the nfl draft and through free agency until then i'm tyler he's dave adopt a doggy from a rescue skull vikings skull vikings like Subscribe and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.